LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. And welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and I'm recording now from central Arkansas at the Second Baptist Church where I pastor. And my co-host, as always, today is Micah Freeze. Micah, how's it going today? It's good, man. Had a, uh, it's a yeah. Monday morning as we're recording this. You and I both had good days yesterday. Opportunity Fantastic. to worship together. Yeah. And now we're at it, man. I love. Yeah. I, I know some people don't like Mondays. I love Mondays. Mondays are one of my favorite day of the week. I just feel energized. And, energized. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's a good. good day. And I know, uh, you know, some of our listeners. Nobody's ever said this, but some of our listeners may think that we we might talk about our sports teams a little too much. But it's hard not to this week, especially you and I. <laughs> That's exactly right. Florida and Texas are back. They're big weekends, man. Well, they're back. I'm not going to say they're back yet, but hey, we had we a beat, good weekend. We beat the Sooners, so we're back. That's, we don't care. That's good. Yeah, and it's a good Sooners team that you beat, and Florida beat LSU, a good LSU a team. A good LSU beat, team, so. yeah. So. I mean, what, let's see, what were the Sooners ranked? They were seven. Six we, or seven, yeah. Yeah, and we were, um, I think, 19. We're now nine. Yeah. I don't LSU know what y'all was, are. Uh, LSU was fifth, and we were 22nd, so we're now 13th. 13th very good very good and so climbing back i feel like we're back even though we did give away a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter but that's neither here nor there we won so excited about that you know something else that i'm excited about is a brand new announcement i guess we're going to release that right this second is that we are now part of what's called the lifeway leadership podcast network we're really excited about this they're putting together a phenomenal collection of podcasts Folks like uh, Robbie Gallaty and J.D. Greer and, and others, I, I think it's a lot of fun to be a part of a net network of voices like that. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully hopefully it'll help those who are listening to the podcast connect to some new podcasts that maybe ha- they haven't had a chance to check out yet. Absolutely. Some of the podcasts that you're going to hear us talk about and promote, you're going to hear, if you're already listeners of their great shows, you're going to hear them talk about us as, as, like you said, Robbie's Making Disciples. You have Group Answers, The One Thing, Five Leadership Questions. Uh, lots of really top ones. New Churches Q&A, which is just a great podcast. So a lot of things that you're probably already listening to. But if you're not, you need to go check out some of our Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network uh, friends and network members. It's going to be fantastic. We are excited about that. You heard the bumper at the beginning of the show. Today's topic is what we here at Second Baptist call ministry on call. Is that Do you all have a name for it, this whole idea of hospital visits or you know that sort of thing? We call it go see the person in the hospital when they're sick. <laughs> it's it's kind of long, but it works. It's very go, descriptive. Go see that person. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's long, but it's descriptive. It makes it makes sense. Now, this is one of those things that a lot of established church leaders will struggle with because either it's it's a beating if you don't realize what a great ministry opportunity it is, but sometimes it's just a beating because there's a lot of them, and established church pastors. 
you know, we deal with these maybe more so, I would say, on average than the church plant does uh, because, you know, a broader range of family members. Uh, do, you know, do you have any idea about how many y'all have a week that you have to go tackle? That is a good question. Um, if you give me a second, I can actually pull up. Uh, we get a list every day. Mm-hmm. And so I just got one today. We have one, two, three, four. I don't know. We probably have five to six per day on average. Is wow. that right for us? We have, so I don't know per day. We have about 15 a week, um, somewhere between 12 and 15 a week. Now, not all of those need a visit. Um, some of them are just updates, letting us know. Uh, surgery went well, it was an outpatient, something like that. So, um, you know, I, I think this is interesting, and I think this is where we're going to kind of break this apart. You said you get a list every day. Who sends that list? How do you kind of like uh, we get have all that our, together? We, we have like the, the receptionists who answer the phones and open the doors and all of that sort of stuff. They put it together every day. Okay, they, cool. They keep, it, they keep it together for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, very good. And so how do they get the information? Do people just call? or? Yeah, they're the ones who answer the phone. So if people call or anything like that, um, they, uh, they are the ones who, who tackle it. Cool. Well, when I took Second Baptist, we had um, a system that I think a lot of churches have is the rotating minister on call. And so everybody except for the yeah. pastor, lead pastor, um, you know, they have a week. And they make all of these visits. They make all these calls, etc. We've just changed this over. We have a on-staff senior adult minister, which, by the way, if you're at a church and you're thinking, man, I'd love to have somebody like that. The previous church I was at, Saxe's Church in Dallas area, we shared a guy uh, with another church. We just kind of um, paid half of his part-time salary each, and it worked out phenomenally well for us. And we were at a much smaller church, so that was maybe an option there, but our current senior adult minister here at Second Baptist is uh, Stan, and Stan has now taken that. We've taken the minister on-call rotation off of the the other ministers. Now, if somebody does have a, let's say there's a birth, the children's minister is still going to go. If there's a, you know, a student who broke their leg at a football game, the student minister is going to go. Those sort of things are still there. Also, if it's something Probably if it's something really big or really important or serious, I'm definitely going to be there, those sort of things. It's not to say that the ministers, the other ministers and pastors won't visit. It's just that Stan is going to do the week-to-week regular visits that we have. We've also created a, um, you know, our the way our deacons are structured at both Saxe and here was sort of just fill the gap, sort of, it wasn't, some churches have like family-oriented deacons or something like that. We have just kind of fill the gap, find a need, meet it. So we've asked for a team of them, those who are willing and able, usually the retired guys, the guys with a lot of free time, to form a little small team, four or five of them, of ministry on-call deacons. And so this staff minister, Stan, and this ministry on-call deacons, they're going to handle all of these hospital visits, all of the the visits that need to be taking place. And um, so as a layer to that, we've created an online form, and um, it's called Ministry on Call. Everything's called Ministry on Call. And uh, you go there to our members page on our website. You fill that form out if you need it. We've trained our staff, like our office staff, like you were mentioning there. Um, if they if they get a call and somebody's saying, just want to let you know so-and-so is in the hospital, we've trained them to pull that form up, 
fill it out, our system will generate an email that goes to the deacons and to Stan, and then they can take the visits from there. So it's all kind of all online. It takes it all off of the pastors, the ministers, and lets it kind of run with um, you know the actual people who are going to make the visits. Yeah. So let's talk about this in the average um, in the average church. You know, the average evangelical church in America runs about eighty in worship and has a bivocational pastor. So let's assume. Um, many of our listeners are in typical American churches, right. um, and they're they're thinking about that sort of scenario. Not only do they not have a full time person on staff, maybe they don't even you know they've they've got a single staff member who's often bivocational, right? The, the pastor, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't have to call him the senior pastor because there aren't any others. It's the mm-hmm. pastor, right? But they do have deacons, and I think what you've just described is a really useful tool and a helpful mechanism for churches, a typical American church, 75, 80, 85 people on a, on a Sunday, even you know, 35, 40 people on a Sunday, you could use something like Google Forms, which is free. Totally it would free. take you five minutes to create this form. And uh, you're going to have a lot of your church members who are going to say, well, I don't want to go on and create this form. I don't want to go fill out a form. Okay, that's fine. When they call you and give you the information about somebody in in the hospital, you just shoot on, take two minutes to fill out the form. And that way you keep an, a digital catalog of everybody who's in the hospital at any time. You're never having to worry about dropping something or forgetting something. And you could create it where it automatically shoots an email to the pastor and the deacons. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it would be easy to set up a rotation of deacons uh, where the pastor's at the hospital once or two day, twice a week and the deacons are filling in the rest of those gaps. I mean, I think that's a really good mechanism, Josh, that would be helpful to a lot of pastors to sort of itemize and systematize the hospital visitation process. And not to make it mechanical or robotic, but rather to make sure that nobody gets dropped, that all right. the holes are being sort of filled. And uh, I think that's a really helpful. I, I think that's a really yeah. helpful. Yeah, uh, and, and one of the real um, needs that came about to create the form was that we were getting, and everybody's experienced this before, regardless of the size of their church. You're just, uh, let's say, after a service, or you're walking past somebody in the hallway, and they'll just let you know, "Hey, did you know Brother Bill has surgery this week?" No, I didn't know. Yeah, on Thursday. And then that's how that whole conversation went. You don't know which hospital, what time, what kind of surgery. You know, you don't know all of these details. And so what we put together in that form was the main purpose was to get all of that information. We've also included questions like, is this person a believer? Are they a member? What small group are they a part of? Because we're also notifying the small group leaders as well and telling them, we know your small group wants to minister to your 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 member there, so we're going to make sure we get all of the same information from all of the people who need the ministry, and you know, kind of forward that out. It helps to generate all of that. And like you said, Google Forms is a fantastic free resource. You can go off and let's say you're at the hospital, you can easily pull the results up on your phone and find That's out right. all the details and be where you are, and so. and easily just. You know, if a person gets dismissed from the hospital, it's easy to jump in and sort of check it off and say, "All right, this person is no longer in the hospital. We've moved, you know, we've moved moved them right. off this uh, off this list." So, yeah, I think one of the things, especially in a in a single staff or smaller staff church, is just being able to create resources to help the pastor more efficiently and effectively do their job. Far too often, the pastor's sort of feeling like they're an isolated solo character, and uh, and if they don't have um, help, which technology can provide some of those really, really good helps, then uh, things get, you know, they fall through the cracks or things can easily get missed. And so, yeah, I like it, Josh. I like it a lot. 
Yeah, I think it's real helpful. The other thing that I want to encourage us, uh, our listeners to think through is that when it comes to the hospital visits, those sort of things are such a pleasure. They're a joy to minister to people in their time of need. At the same time, the way we think through it is that Stan, in our way of thinking, is the backstop to make sure that everybody gets a hospital visit. What we really want is to equip the saints to do the ministry. And so letting the deacons and the small group leaders take the lead on these sort of um, visits. And so we, if they get a visit from a deacon and from a small group leader, then Stan doesn't necessarily have to go. I don't know if maybe at your church, uh, not Brainerd, but our listeners' churches, if maybe the expectation is very high and strong that the, the minister would go to these hospital visits, but at least you could get some help that on those weeks that you're just swamped or busy, you could get a little bit of help with these sort of visits uh, by creating other teams to go out. Yeah. Surely there's people that can help. Well, and let's talk about this, Josh, because there's an important theological reality here as well. Um, I think sometimes there's this thought that sort of the old pastor used to go do all the hospital visits and these new young pastors, they don't want to go visit people in the hospital. They don't care about people. They don't love people, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Which is unfortunate. Now, look, the reality is in my life, the, the, that side of the ministry um, equation is not a strength for me. In fact, when I was younger, I used to say it's not a strength and therefore I don't do it. And uh, I remember saying from the pulpit as a really young, arrogant, ignorant pastor, uh, I'm not very good at this. If, uh, if I show up at your bedside, it's bad news. It means that things are not going well. <laughs> you know, I come in at the last minute. And uh, God really convicted me and changed my heart. And, and uh, I committed to being more invested and involved in it, even if I'm not really gifted in this area. And I remember after that happened, I showed up to this hospital room for this older lady in our church. And her eyes just got really big when she saw me. And she said, is it that bad? And I said, no, I promise it's not that bad. I'm just that bad. I was yeah. not a good pastor. And so I apologized. And but, but here's what I would say. There's a theological reality. Ephesians 4, among other passages, says God gave pastors and evangelists and you know, uh, teachers and, and so on for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. Right. Far too often our vocabulary in the American church is to be pastoral, is to do things like go visit them in the hospital, to do funerals and weddings and that sort of thing. The problem is in the, the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, you'll rarely if ever find those things assigned to the pastoral responsibility. The pastoral responsibility revolves more around preaching and leadership and teaching and prayer, right? That's mm-hmm. the New Testament um, responsibility for the pastor. That's not to say that the pastor shouldn't do these things, but rather the pastor needs to understand that they have a vocational responsibility to equip the saints for all of us to do ministry together. So um, we have a job. We have responsibility. I tell our staff this all the time. Your vocational responsibility is not to do ministry, and follow me here. Your mm-hmm. vocational responsibility is not to do ministry. I tell them your familial responsibility is to do ministry. In other words, right. every member of the family has a commitment to do ministry. Our vocational responsibility, our job, is to equip the church so that we do ministry well, so that all of right. us do ministry well. A success in my mind is not, you know, Micah goes to the hospital or Micah doesn't go to the hospital. I mean, I was at the hospital for an emergency last night at, you know, eight thirty nine o'clock at night with my wife. Didn't expect that, didn't plan that, but a patriarch in our church had a stroke, and, and so we were there, right? They, they, they happen, and that's going to be part of the responsibility. But success in my mind is if I am at the hospital, I'm preceded by 15 other members who right. love that person and have been equipped to go serve and care for that individual. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so the here, goal. But here's the problem. Too many of our churches aren't trained in that way. 
Mm-hmm. And pastors don't do a good job of communicating it. They just say things like, well, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's a really bad thing to say. That's not what the pastor is supposed to do. Again, mm-hmm. the pastor is supposed to do those things as a member of the family. Right. We model for the rest of the church what it looks like to be a good family member who ministers to the needs of the rest of the church. But your job is to equip the church to do this together. And you're not going to equip the church if you sort of slam your fist down and say, well, that's not my job or I'm not good at that or, you know, that's not what the Bible says I'm supposed to do. You're not going to equip anybody. Instead, there's got to be a genuine sense of compassion and desire and love for people and longing in your heart that's evidenced in your life and your behavior. And you take people along with you and you're training and developing them. And I think if we can do that, we've got to reframe the pastoral expectation in our churches. And I'm going to put in a plug, Josh. Uh, I have a book manuscript on this topic for Moody Press that I'm finishing up by the end of this year that'll be out next fall. So about a year from now, uh, you, you can really hear in have detail a great what I think about yeah. this. <laughs> Buy the book. So, yeah, yeah and exactly I think right. I think on the other side of the equation is that too often the ministers and the pastors, and I completely agree with what Micah just shared, but the ministers and the pastors just do all of the ministry, and that's not equipping either. You need but, to. But that's exactly right. They're failing in their biblical responsibility to equip right. the saints, right? The, the problem is on both sides of the equation, we're failing in our ministry responsibility to equip the saints. Right. You see what I'm saying? Those who mm-hmm. do everything and those who do nothing, both are failing in that biblical both responsibility. Both are failing. So you just have to teach people. And when, you know, in view of call is a great time to do this. If you're, you know, starting off in a new church, just kind of let them know because in both of the churches that I've pastored there, one of the major questions in the interview process and in the in view of call was how I handle hospital visits, how I'm going to do hospital visits. And you just got to be real open and honest and say, you know, I think predominantly that needs to be in the small group um, for a church this size in this area. Uh, predominantly that needs to be in the small group. Then we have the deacons and then the ministers will be there as well. And I'm going to be a part of that. The other thing that I want to encourage people to do is have an honest question or you know discussion with the church and let them know certain things. For instance, I got in trouble one time in my previous church because somebody believed I didn't make a hospital visit. And I asked them, who did you tell? Who, who, how did I supposed to know? You know, like, who's supposed to tell me? And they were like, well, we didn't tell anybody. And I said, well, see, that's the problem. I didn't know. And so for the previous church, I made 100% of the hospital visits that I knew about. I went to them if I knew about them. But I, the way I kind of joke about it is God and I talk every day, but he doesn't tell me those things. And so you've got to <laughs> tell me about, um, you know, like if you're in the hospital and if you want me to be there, if you don't ask me to be there. And I think this is really the rub that comes down to um, what a lot of people interpret as being this generational divide. The younger pastors don't want to make hospital visits. And I think that's somewhat true. I think Absolutely. a lot of it is just the way that we, we view hospital time. For instance, my wife, uh, when we were having our, well, when she was birthing, our, um, I guess it was our first child, our second one of them, it was the same hospital, you know, real close together. So one of those times, the whole staff of the church that we were on staff with came barging into the room like shortly after the birth. I mean, we're, we're talking like very close to after the birth. My wife hated that, hated, mm-hmm. did not want... <laughs> a bunch of men in there with her looking the way she's looking and everything that was happening that way. And I know a lot of, you know, peers, women peers who have children, and they'll let me know, hey, we're inducing on this date or, 
It looks like we're we're headed to the hospital, but do not come. I do not yeah. want you there. You know, and well, I'm, and so I'm going to go one difference. better for you. I'll go mm-hmm. one better for you, Josh. I, I I had a young couple in the church, uh, previous church I was at, who were having a baby, and I got word that the baby was born, everything was great, and they were ready for a pastor to come over. That, that came from um, a father of the husband or wife, one, one of their dads, who I happen to know as well. I'm going to try and not give away exactly who all it was. <laughs> and uh, and so the father said, yep, things are great. Come on over. So I get to the hospital. I knock on the door. He meets me at the door and invites me into the room, at which time I find out she's in labor. She's there. When I walked into the room, baby wasn't no. born yet. No. Uh-huh. That's not good. <laughs> I backed out. I said, I'll be back. Y'all let me know, and I'll, yeah. I'll come back and yeah. see you when the baby's born. Right. So, and so yeah. th- I think it's a general you so I just had to explain to the whole church present look if I'm in the hospital and I, you know here's how I say it I'm like I'm laying there half undressed feeling horrible don't want to talk to people I don't want people there so I assume um just my natural instinct is that you don't want me there either it's not a fun time for you you don't want me there if you want me there or if you want me to be there for your husband or your daughter or something just let me know, and I will be. So I've had that conversation, and it takes this big stress off to say we're not omniscient. We're not um, you know, all-knowing. We don't know everything. And so if you want us there, let us know. And so I would encourage our listeners to have that conversation with the deacons, with the, with the small group leaders, whatever your group of leadership is. Let them know you are happy to be there, but you got to let us know. you gotta, you got to inform it. And um, I think that takes a lot of stress off. We've been getting a lot of, once you kind of clear that up, we've had so many people let the church know, hey, so-and-so is going in the hospital, or I've got a surgery this next week, but I don't want you to come, just pray. They'll let you know that, and then all of that stress, really, it just lets you go. You're like, awesome, I'll definitely pray for you, and that means I don't have to drive you know, down to the hospital and all that kind of stuff without you wanting me to be there. If, if they say, yeah, I'd really like you to be there. I'm scared. I'm nervous, something like that, then show up. It's a, it's a good thing, you know? So I just think open and honest conversations with the, with the church about that specific topic would alleviate a lot of, I don't know, some of the pressure, the stress, the getting in trouble later when you didn't know those sort of things. So. Yeah, completely understand. And uh, I think that's a good strategy. I think this is one of those things where often pastors, especially, you know, we have a lot of folks who listen to the podcast, Josh, who are younger, newer pastors, mm-hmm. and uh, we hear from them regularly. When you're younger and newer, often you don't have a strategy as far as this is concerned. You have bits and pieces of a philosophy and a theology. By the way, I think that's often why the young pastors get the bad, bad rap because right. they have often sort of a little more extra confidence than maybe they should have. <laughs> and uh, they, they sort of... Um, it meshes together with a mismatched philosophy and theology and sometimes can come off as either um, rude or just overly accommodating. And so walking together and figuring out a strategy, like here's the plan, here's how we're going to make sure that people when they're in the hospital and they want to be seen are going to be seen mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to make sure we take care of everybody. But at the same time, we're not going to unnecessarily spend the entirety of our ministry going back and forth to the hospital, which would be an uh, inefficient and, frankly, a biblically unfaithful way to lead a church. And so I think if if pastors can just sit down and figure out, here's our strategy, here's our methodology, bring your leadership in the loop, 
and uh, spend some time training and teaching lovingly, I think you can get there. But understand for most churches, you know, you're the new pastor. You've been there all of six months or two years or whatever, mm-hmm. and that church has been around for 110 years. It's probably not going to change strategies quickly. So no. be patient and take your time. And if you're not willing to walk into the church and serve it as it is before you can lead it to where it ought to be, then you're not going to serve well in that environment. You're going to have trouble all the way around. I do have one right. other little tip. Um and this one will take some time and some leadership equity and just learning how to say things diplomatically. For some denominations, you have a resource in the chaplains. And we have, so where I serve, the hospitals, the large hospital in the region is the Baptist Hospital. And so um, the a good number of the chaplains are Baptist ministers. And so the way that I've communicated that to the church and to others is that when you you might be far away uh, at a hospital not not close you know and it would take up the whole day for us to run over there and pray and all that sort of stuff we 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 communicate this idea that we can utilize people who in a manner of speaking sort of work for all of our baptist churches and so we're able to call that hospital and have a baptist minister that's our denomination so it feels a little bit better for people go by and spend some time with you. And it's just like as if a staff person came by. That relationship is there. And so there are some regions of the country, and particularly probably the regions in which most of our listeners come from, that you do have that chaplain side of things that you can call and and go help other folks. Similar, Similar to that, I have on two different occasions had a member in a hospital that was a good distance away. So I was in the Dallas area. I had somebody in the hospital in Atlanta one time, and then I had somebody in the hospital in Houston one time. And it was usually when it's that far away, something bad happened when it wasn't planned, you know. And so I was able to, um, you know, Houston is five, six hours away from where I was living. I was able to call a pastor friend of mine in that region and have them go over and spend some time and and stuff like that. So that was really helpful too. It's another way to think of this. And so I've heard of stories where you've got a bivocational pastor and he's stressed out that week because he had to make a, you know, a three hour round trip call to a hospital. You know, there's other resources in the network that you could use. And I would encourage you to kind of, when you have that open and honest conversation, let them know that this would be a, an approach we could use sometimes, you know? And yeah, I think absolutely. I think most people are okay with that once they realize kind of how it's working. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, sort of the network and those sort of things, we do want to plug one of our LifeWay Leadership Network partners. And specifically, we're talking about Ask Me Anything with host J.D. Greer and Todd Unziger. Uh, did I say that right? You did. Todd's my buddy, man. Todd Unzicker. And so here's a little Todd Unzicker trivia for you. Do share. share. (laughs) Prior to Todd moving to North Carolina, do you know what his ministry position was? Mm, Children's minister. No, he replaced my dad as the director of missions of the Holmes Baptist Association in uh, Holmes County, Florida. Really? Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. That's how I got to know Todd. 
He's just such a nice guy that I thought he seems like a children's minister in in the most positive way because <laughs> he's gonna, so nice. I, I'm gonna tell him that. <laughs> I think he's just That's a really awesome. nice person. So Todd is fantastic, and and the, Todd and JD and the Ask Anything podcast are a part of the Lifeway um, Leadership Podcast Network. You need to go to your favorite podcast subscription service and subscribe to the Ask Anything podcast. I think it'd be super helpful. I I think so as well. On the podcast, JD and Todd will provide you with. Honest answers to some of the toughest questions Questions in each episode. You'll hear Pastor J.D. answer theological, ethical, or leadership questions. So whether you're attending, serving, or leading in the church, which most of our listeners are, this is the podcast for you. So you want to check out Ask Me Anything on iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc. It's going to be a great one. Micah, thanks for talking to me about ministry on call. I think it's uh, such an important thing that everybody needs to kind of deal with. As always, it's a blast. All right, I'll catch you next week. We'll catch you next week. And uh, before I sign off, let me just uh, encourage you in this. If you have, maybe you have some great thoughts on Ministry on Call, shoot us a direct message on Twitter, preferably, and let us know your name, your town, and your input, your feedback. We've got a couple episodes coming up in which we're going to read your feedback and respond to them. So give us that feedback. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.